0: Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the gospel of Luke. Luke tells us this specifically that she took an alabaster flask full of ointment. The word ointment there is talking about a perfumed oil. Now, this would have been stock and trade for stock for her trade, right? I mean, you got to have nice smelling stuff if you're going to have people paying you. You know what I'm saying? And so th- this is something she had on hand. We're all adults here, right? Uh, most of us anyway. All right. And, and so she grabs this flask and she heads out. Now... Perhaps you're tempted to say, well, pastor, all these little details you're throwing in that Luke doesn't say that, so how can you know that? Well, look, this detail, it screams of the fact that she had some kind of encounter with Jesus, because if she had never had an encounter with him, if she'd never heard his teaching, never saw a miracle, he had never spoken to her, why in the world would she care that Jesus is down at the Pharisee's house, and why would she take an expensive flask of perfume to go down to see him? There's only one explanation for that. And that is that somewhere, because Jesus' his ministry was way out there in the public, somewhere she had heard his teaching. Somewhere, perhaps, she had seen him perform a miracle. Maybe, perhaps, even he had spoken to her and showed her some kind of kindness. So based on the details here provided, I believe that a case can be made, listen to this carefully, that she came to the porch of that Pharisee's house to intentionally do for Jesus what his guest had omitted. Now let me refresh the picture for us. Jesus is reclined at table. His feet are sticking out away from the table, and Luke says that the woman stood behind him at his feet. Now, I don't have time to paint the picture, but if you can get it, basically what that means is she's standing, his heels, Jesus' heels are pointed toward her. She's standing with his heels, and his foot then is kind of sideways, and that's the way she's standing there. How long she stood there, we don't know. But what we do know is that as she stood there, she began to cry. And the words that Luke used indicate that her tears were not just little tears. These, this was a flood of tears that she began to experience. And because she was standing close by him at his feet, her tears began to make his feet wet. Now, what was her motivation? Perhaps she was embarrassed that she made a mess of his feet, dirt and and and, and stuff mixing with her tears. Maybe, maybe she thought it would be helpful if, he, if she dried his feet. But here's what she did. She took her hair down and she got on her knees and she began to wipe his feet with her hair. You say, that's, that's not in the text. How do you know that? Well, here's what I know. Culturally... Women of that day did not walk around in public with their hair down. They went out with their hair up. So rigid was this that a woman who would take her hair down in public, it was the same as if a woman walked in here. This is a little bit delicate. If a woman walked in here bearing her breasts, it was, it was like that kind of taboo. So her hair was up. She would have brought her hair down because you can't work on somebody's feet with your hair all up in your head. And of course, he's down low, so we know she had to have stooped down to wipe his feet with her hair. And finally, Luke tells us that she took that ointment that was in the alabaster flask. She poured it on his feet to make them soft and fragrant, fragrant. Now, I shared all that and tried to paint the picture because I wanted you to see what I saw this week. This is an amazing story. And one that I would have loved to have been fly on the wall to see. We don't know what Jesus did for her prior to this dinner party, but whatever it was, it moved her deeply to the very recesses of her soul. On the other hand, Jesus' host, he was not impressed. He was not impressed at all. In fact, this little scene that just took place, that I just explained for you, it only hardened his heart more against Jesus. You see, the scuttlebutt going around, not just this village, but other villages as well, was that Jesus was a special prophet. That's what the people were saying. They were saying, Jesus is in the likeness of Elisha. He's a special prophet. I mean, who else could do the things he's been doing if they weren't an anointed prophet of God? And I want to tell you, we already know this, that the Pharisee, the religious elite, didn't like that. They did not like this rabbi being talked about as though he was something really special. And so they were always looking for a way to discount that so that they could put him in his place and they could continue to be the elite. And the Pharisee, Simon, he thinks he's got exactly what he needs now. He's got proof that Jesus is no prophet. He's just a mere man. Because if he were a prophet, he would know what sort of woman this is. That is, washing his feet and anointing them and wiping them with their hair. He would know that. And more than that, he would recoil in disgust at her touch. I mean, what righteous man would permit an immoral sinner like her to get close enough to him to touch him and then actually allow her to touch him? That's is the way Simon is thinking. Those are the very thoughts going through his mind. And it's interesting that Jesus knew it. He knew what he was thinking. And so Jesus decides to confront him. And he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. Okay, say on. As Jesus so often did, he used a, Earthly story to bring about a heavenly meaning. In other words, he he told a parable. And I want you to take note of what this parable, the details of the parable. Jesus, Jesus in his parable talked about two debtors, two people who were in debt to a moneylender. One of them owed 500 days wages. A denarii was considered a day's wages for the common laborer. What are your daily wages, I wonder? What do you make a day? I want you to imagine owing somebody 500 of those days of wages. The other one only owed 50 days' wages. But here's something we need to understand. Whether it's 500 or 50, when it's a whole day's wage, it's a lot of money to pay back, right? I mean, can you imagine having to pay back 50 days of your wages? It was a lot to pay back, and that is... Exactly the point. Neither of them could repay their debt. Not the 500, nor the 50. They were both left without the capacity. Of paying their debt now jesus tells us that even though the money lender had the right legally to have both of them arrested and both of them thrown into prison until they could pay their debt which kind of seems kind of weird because how can you repay a debt if you're laying in prison but maybe your relatives will come by maybe your friends will come and get you out and they'll pay your debt off i don't know but he had the right to do that but instead of doing what you would naturally think is normal and just to do he decides to let them both go free he just says, okay, I forgive you. I forgive you. No more debt. You are free and clear. And then comes the application question. Jesus, after telling the parable, looks at Simon and says, which of them will love him more? In other words, which one of those two will feel the release Of their debt more which one will realize the magnitude of grace and mercy that has been given to them and Simon gives the right answer well the one with the larger debt now before we go on with that let me let me identify a couple of important points for you and this is a good place for you to reference the note guide that you picked up on your way in as it relates to this parable I want you to take note of this that both of the people in the parable were in debt. 100% of the people being talked about, even though it was only two, but 100% were in debt. Do you know that Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says that all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God? Do you realize that every single human on this planet, some 7 billion of them, and all of the ones who live prior, and all of the ones that are yet to come, all of us fall short of the glory of God. We have a debt to God because we don't meet His standard. I want you to notice that in the parable, both of these could not pay their debt. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death. Now, I want want you to answer this question in your heart, okay? If you owe a big moral debt to God and all you're going to get paid for your sin is death, how are you ever going to pay it? Because the, the payday, the payoff for our sinful lives, our unbelief and our rejection is death. So you got nothing to pay the debt with. Everybody's guilty and nobody can pay. Now, I want you to see this last thing. Both of these people in the parable had access to forgiveness of their debt. If you go on to read Romans 6, 23, it does start off saying that the wages of sin is death, but then the good news comes, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus has brought about an access for us to be able to have our sin debt forgiven, just like these two men received this gift at that point. And I want to bring to you this first truth point this morning. Truth point number one, if both of these men or women, whoever they were, both of these people, if they owed a debt and neither could pay, does it matter what the size of the debt is? Does it matter? If they couldn't pay, does it matter if it was 50 or 500? 500? You say, Pastor Mike, that's kind of a dumb truth point. What in the world are you, why are you emphasizing does it matter? I'm emphasizing that because for most of us sitting in this room, it does matter. Somehow in our convoluted way of thinking, we think that if you owe only 50 of a moral debt versus 500, this guy's a lot better off. I'm emphasizing it because we tend to think That there are degrees of sinfulness. Now, I will acknowledge there are degrees of consequences, but the sinfulness is all the same. And to prove that we believe in these degrees of sinfulness, let me just remind us, most of us who have said this, all of us have heard it, when somebody tells a lie and they get confronted with it, sometimes what do they say? Well, it's just a little white lie. Really? There's white ones? Are there blue ones? Orange ones? Purple ones? We know there are black ones, right? In human terms, we tend to think that the salvation of a drug addict or a prostitute or a murderer takes a greater miracle of grace than the salvation of an adorable child. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale.